0: I know that I haven't actually been sort of doing sermon-style things on Wednesday night, but uh, since we're talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer and prayer tonight, I thought I'd better start with a prayer. So I'll do that tonight. Let us pray. Loving God, we come before you as imperfect people, and yet you promise to hear us, and we pray at your request. Therefore, we beg that you would listen to our prayer. Give to us your peace. Give to us your healing. Give to us your love. Give to us your comfort. In a violent world, we pray that your kingdom would come. And we pray as if it was already here. Amen. Okay. Uh, If you've got uh, a small catechism with you, why don't you grab it? If you don't, you can turn to page 11, I think it's 1164, in your hymnal, uh, and uh, you can grab the small catechism. We have moved now to the Lord's Prayer, uh, but before we do that, I thought we'd try a little review just to see uh, how everybody is doing. Uh, This is, in fact, an open book pop quiz, so to speak. Uh, So just to start with... um, I have found, um, again, that I have really enjoyed this opportunity to go back and look at the small catechism, um, especially in light of thinking about Luther and being a dad, um, and especially in light of uh, one of the rubrics that I've used to talk about um, how Luther and how others have seen Luther using the small catechism. So there was... um, It's actually medical. What was the way that we have talked about the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer so far? And Luther uses a a medical terminology. What? How does he label each of these things? Does anybody remember what he calls the Ten Commandments? Bill of particulars. What's that? It is a bill of particulars. Yes, that's true. Uh, that's not what Luther calls it exactly, although he, that is, it is that for sure. Uh, it, is a, it is a bill of God's, I, you know, I sort of, expectations, hopes, these kinds of things. Um, but how does Luther talk about it? Diagnosis. diagnosis, thank you. And what does he mean by this, so to speak, diagnosis? We're sick. We sick. Yeah, so um, that's good. I like that. That's good. <laughs> getting right to it. Uh, so um, I th- how do we talk about, the, the specific way, of course, that we talk about it is sin in church, right? I think sometimes it's helpful to unpack some of these words and use other words. Um, sin has so much baggage and carries it. But uh, the diagnosis of humans, from Luther's point of view and from a Christian point of view, is that we are sick, we are sinful. Um, some other words that I like to use are imperfect, finite, limited, um, Luther will say things like, if you look at the Ten Commandments, nobody can possibly live up to those expectations. uh, And nobody has. Okay, so that's the diagnosis. Now, you can disagree with these things, and lots of different people have lots of different worldviews that start in different places, right? But we as Lutherans, and Luther in particular, thinks that we started this place where human beings are not perfect. uh, And that's the diagnosis. Good. What's the creed, then, in this continued healthcare sort of point of view? What's that? Treatment, yes, Uh, and yep. Other words that uh, anybody remember the words that Luther used? The prescription, yep. Thank you, uh, Doctor Wohthy. Appreciate that. Um, I think, uh, and some other words that we might use are cure, maybe um, uh, if. And the other sort of churchy way we might think of this is the Ten Commandments are the law. Have you ever heard Lutherans talk about law and gospel? Ten Commandments being the law. The creed, Luther says, is the gospel. And what's the center of this whole thing? It's the third article where Luther says, I cannot by my own strength or understanding come to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord. But instead, and this is the gospel part, Through the Holy Spirit, he has called to me, enlightened me, sanctified me, and kept me in the one true faith, just as he keeps the whole church, right? It's God's action towards us. This is the good news. This is the gospel, right? Uh, That um, God says, I love you, even while you are imperfect. This is not a worth-based orientation, okay? You all know this. Um, and now you might be wondering um, why in the world you would ever want to p- even put some of these things to memory. So I don't know how many people were here on Sunday morning, uh, but we had a protester. Uh-huh. <laughs> which, um, on the one hand, I would like to think makes us special. On the other hand, I think they're just looking up ELCA churches and sending somebody to go stand by them, so I don't think we're special. Oh, well. Anyway, um, <clears throat> he uh, was carrying a sign and was talking about homosexuality as being a sin and some other things that were on his sign, and, and he was out standing on the street corner. I bring this up one to tell you because it's been going around and everybody knows, um, just so that you aren't shocked when you find out that we had a protester. What's um, What's that? It was, it was sometime during the second service. Oh, so they were all over? So were we, we weren't even special on that Sunday? Man, I am so disappointed. Ah, they've been all over, huh? Oh, jeez. Oh, well, I thought we were going to be special. Guess not. Anyway, um, so he was out there, and... Um, I went out to go talk with him uh, because I just thought that's what I probably should do as the senior pastor of the church where somebody's protesting outside. And uh, I went to go talk to him for just a little bit and um, he, of course, had lots of things to tell me. And um, he, at one point, said, well, have you been saved? (laughs) And um, that's exactly what I did in my head. I chuckled and I, um, I started to think, Well, actually, I believe that I cannot, by my own strength or understanding, come to believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But instead, but I didn't say that, actually. I bit my tongue. Instead, I said, um, (laughs) I'm sorry that I think we disagree on a great many things. I don't know if that was the right answer. But anyway, a handy little thing to have in your back pocket uh, sometimes, right? Um, And for me, I find this to be an incredible comfort. Because in that moment of somebody asking you something about your faith, to be able to have an answer at your disposal that actually is not even dependent on your own belief, but instead on the action of God towards you, I find to be enormously comforting. Uh, So super handy. So I want to turn and look for just a second now at the Lord's Prayer, which Luther describes in his medical sort of way of diagnosis, prescription, and then the Lord's Prayer in that little... Thing is what it's the fulfilling of the prescription <laughs> right uh the fulfilling of the prescription and so um i think the question would be uh you have seen your imperfection in the law you have now heard god's voice call to you right through the holy spirit and so now the question is well now what and the answer that Luther says—and remember, Luther reordered the, the small command or the, uh, the small catechism. Most people put the Ten Commandments last as the way to live. Luther puts the Lord's Prayer last because the now what is prayer? God has called you, talked to you, spoken to you, told you that you are loved. And what is our response? Talk back. Luther says, talk back. Respond. This is what prayer is, right? I told you this story last week because I think it's so applicable. I was standing over at Amy's cupcake shop, right? And this new person that works there, Kaylee, answers the phone, and they ask, somebody on the other line asks for Kaylee. Well, Kaylee happens to be Amy, the owner's youngest daughter, who's like in first grade. And so the Kaylee that answered the phone thinks, why is somebody calling and asking for a first grader? This is weird, right? Goes over to Amy and says, Amy, somebody's asking for your daughter, not thinking it was for her, right, but for the daughter. Amy picks up the phone, figures out, after asking a bunch of questions, says, "No, Kaylee, the worker. It's Matt from Herberts and Gerberts across the street. He wants to ask you out on a date. <laughs> okay, because she had been over there for lunch, and saw that she worked at Amy's Cupcake Shop. Looked her up online cu- anyway. Okay, it's this weird, unexpected, and she's white as every Minnesotan is white. And in the middle of Amy's cut, she just gets beet red. Right? <laughs> this is what it's like when God calls you and asks you out for a date. Okay." You have this overwhelming experience of being loved, right? Unexpectedly. And you turn all red. And then what do you do if you get asked out on a date? What do you do? Yes. Say yes. Yeah, I say yes is one thing. Actually, today somebody said, you go out to dinner. <laughs> oh yeah, right. And what do you do when you go out to dinner? We talk to each other. Right? You talk to each well, hopefully you talk to each other, otherwise you're like, no, that was good. See ya. All right, so same rubric, right? God has talked to you, asked you out on a date, and and Luther says, talk back. Um, And how are we supposed to do this? Uh, And Luther says, um, the Lord's Prayer is the way that we do this. Um, And one of the things that Luther does is really interesting, too. He refers back a lot to the, the Ten Commandments, and if you think about the way Luther lays out the Ten Commandments, there's always a negative and a positive Um, So if we're not supposed to use the Lord's name in vain, Luther posits, in fact, who's got the second commandment there at their ready disposal and and read Luther's confession. We're going to call these confessions because I think that's what they are. What is Luther's confession on the second commandment? Just read it out loud. Somebody, go. Go. So Luther turns around and says, um, God actually commands you to pray. God says, talk to me. Talk to me. In the second commandment, Luther says, God says, talk to me. Um, And so Luther, of course, not wanting to put anything too much on our uh, ability to do things, even anchors our call to prayer as in part of God's command for what to do. (laughs) Interesting, right? Um, And so I really like that too. Uh, God commands you to pray. Uh, You should never feel ashamed of having conversation with God. This is probably more of a conversation in Luther's day than it is in ours. Uh, For middle-aged people who are praying to saints and things like that, Luther says hogwash, just talk to God. Um, But I also sort of like this, if you ever feel like maybe you shouldn't pray or you don't know what you should be praying for, Luther says just pray, (laughs) talk to God, okay? Um, and what is this? I'm going to try to smash this together as best I can. But for Luther, Luther then says, What is prayer? And I really like this part. Um, Luther says, uh, To pray is to reflect on our own needs and the needs of others. Uh, a person who wants to pray then must present a petition, naming and asking for something that he or she desires. Um, From Luther's large catechism, uh, he says further this, "Um, Therefore God wishes you to lament and express your needs and wants, not because God is unaware of them, but in order that you may kindle your heart to stronger and greater desires and spread your cloak wide to receive many things. Um, When Luther talks about what this need means, he actually sort of calls it law in the flesh. Um, The things for which we are suffering. So if you think about some of the ways that we've talked about gratitudes and laments, um, I think Luther would actually sort of agree with this kind of orientation to prayer. Uh, Being grateful for those things that God has given us and saying thanks be to God. But Luther really wants people to express their needs and the pain and suffering that they're experiencing. One of the things I think that happens for churches and for Uh, church people is that we get often accused of being hypocritical and that it looks like we're coming all shiny and happy on sunday morning and we don't actually express what's really going on i think that's super unfortunate because luther i think actually says that prayer is when we express our deep-seated pain and need and in such a way that we believe that god is both going to respond and give it to us Um, Luther calls this rubbing God's ears and God's own promises, um, which I sort of like that, right? Um, And I like it for a whole bunch of reasons because it then, Luther, if you read his prayers, is just, he, nothing held back. Praying boldly, right? Um, And I like that because I think sometimes we want to hide maybe some of the things that we think we should be praying for and we couch it in languages like, I don't know if I'm worthy to pray for this. Luther doesn't believe in any of that baloney. He just goes right at it uh, for himself and for others and for the sake of the world. Um, so expressing our deep-seated need I think is one of the things that Luther talks about um, especially and I really find that to be super um, helpful. How's that grab you so far? Okay. Um, are there, Now, so just to take one quick step back. Are there, um, would you, do you have barriers that stop you from praying? What and and maybe what are they? What are there? What are some of the things that get in the way of either your praying or people you know praying? Uh, stop you from having that conversation with God, or maybe you don't have any barriers. Are there some? Busy. Busyness. Yeah. When to do it? Overwhelmed. Busy. Yep. Praying for outcomes, huh, and why so? I'm curious about that one. You mean praying for like, in particular? For somebody to get well and they die, or they don't die, but in either case. Yeah. Praying for somebody to get well, uh, or they don't. Um, that's a good one. Let, can you hold that thought? I do want to think about that for a little bit, because we would call that a theodicy question in fancy theological terms, right? What is evil? Um, and these kinds of things. Other barriers to praying? Praying for things. It's like, okay, you I can pray for but I really don't deserve it. I don't need it. I don't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Not knowing what to pray for. That's perfect. Luther loves that as an opening question because then Luther would say, and the beauty is God gave us the Lord's Prayer, right? I think not knowing the words to pray is really a common refrain, right? And Luther says, look at the Lord's Prayer, right? And so when he lays it out, just going through there, Luther says, it's amazing. He gives us the right words to pray. Luther is also like super practical. I like that question too. Um, my favorite part, Luther at one point says, this is a, very, uh, this, this is a great prayer, You ready? It's tough. You'll have a hard time remembering it. Loving God. Help. Yeah, I don't think so much as prayer is talking to a God. Yeah, I have conversations with God all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how I pray. You're constantly in interaction. Right. Yeah. That's because you live with Dick. I I mean I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, too heavily occupied fixing things ourselves. I like that. That's good. Uh, pulls you right back to Luther and the first commandment, right? Uh, you are not God. It's a humbling thing, right? Yeah. Uh, Bruce? Oh. Yeah. It's for you to yeah, your yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luther Luther talks about it actually, desiring it in more to have more of it within you, right? And he and then you obviously know Luther's explanation, right? God's kingdom is going to come whether you pray for it or not. We're praying for it to come in you, in me, right? Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, I want an answer to my prayer, and I'm not often sure I'm going to get one. Yeah, that w- we'll talk about this a little bit, okay? It's not cultural. What's that? It's not cultural. Oh, it's not cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, talk about other things. Yeah. Yeah, prayer is not sort of in the, actually prayer is kind of in the vernacular in this sort of spiritual but not religious business. I don't know. I'm probably making stuff up and probably going a little too far. Wade can stop me if I fall off the rails or Fred, either one. Um, I actually think Luther would have none of this sort of our current modern day spirituality baloney, um, which is sort of like, and please, if you like yoga, I'm not ditching yoga. I'm just saying it's not Lutheran. sitting and going to to, to yoga and finding a center of peace may be a way of praying but actually i think for luther it's much more practical and relational in that it has to do with confession and forgiveness and being in a relationship with god and one another and that it comes out in real practically oriented terms about how we live with one another and so it's less about sort of building this ascendancy to god in sort of some peaceful kind of way it's more about how that then plays out in the actuality of real life am i wrong about that i mean i'm wrong about that Oh, okay, good. All right, okay. That, I, that was a small tangent. All right, let's talk about the theodicy problem for just a little bit and God answering prayer or not answering prayer. So I, I tried as best I could to look around in Luther and think about the, the theodicy is just a fancy way of saying how do you deal with evil or how do you deal with prayers that seem to go unanswered? Um, there's a, I'm going to read you a couple of little quotes about this um, from uh, Tim Wangert. Um, to see if this helps at all. It does, because it's actually, Luther, I think, in, in the end, is in somewhat from a modern sense completely unsatisfying on this answer because Luther does not ever walk into a full-blown theology of theodicy or a theology of evil. Um, and here, see if this helps, okay? Um, Luther is actually, this is from Wanger. Luther's silence about theodicy in the face of God's promise it's what allows him to have such chutzpah or such um, boldness in praying. And when, so when Luther says, rub God's ears in God's own promise, when prayers aren't answered or there is some, somebody doesn't get better, I get the sense that Luther wants to throw it all back on God. It's God's problem and push it right back and don't stop. There's, this, there's a little bit in, I think it's in the large catechism. No, it's not. It's in a sermon where Luther talks about prayer as if when you, you knock on God's door and God goes and hides in a closet. And so then you knock even louder. And then finally God comes out of the closet and answers the door and says, what in the world do you want? And you're supposed to say exactly what I've been telling you. And then God says, okay, or God doesn't but you still just keep knocking and banging and rubbing God's ears and God's promise to give you the kingdom, shoes and house and spouse and protect you from all evil. And so Luther actually, and so here's the other little quote, and I don't know if this is satisfying or not, but I think this is how Luther gets away with it, right? And he knows pain and suffering. He's had children that died. Um, he, here, Wangert's quoting somebody else. Um, he says what this other guy doesn't realize is that the problem of unanswered prayer in theology, must always remain unanswered, lest one abandons God's promises and thus faith itself for an explanation. And here's what I think that means, because that's a complicated sentence, and I'm not sure if this is right. Again, yeah, I know. What Peter's does not realize is that the problem of unanswered prayer must always remain unanswered in theology, lest one abandons God's promises and thus faith itself for explanation. Here's what I think this means, okay? For Luther, evil is real. And when he talks about evil, he talks about sin, death, the devil, and flesh. In other words, it's something in us too, right? It's an external force, but it's also us. Um, And um, in the cross, what we see is God taking of all of those things into God's self, ultimately. That somehow in Jesus' death, God takes sin, death, the devil, and all evil into God's self and consumes it, so to speak. Um, And there's lots of words that fall short here, right? And in so doing, we would say conquers death or defeats evil. But what's weird about using those words is that it's through dying that God does this, and so the act of dying itself is actually an invitation to demonstrate what love looks like in the extreme. Love, even in the face of death, will not hit back. That's profound, right? That's what the cross means. And Luther, I think, would say that in so doing, takes all of those things into God's self, accepts it, and then walks out the other side and says, I'm still alive, and brings it all with him. And so, somehow, that, um, the other little bit about that that I think is really interesting is that when Jesus walks out the other side, he still has scars. The doing of this hurts God somehow. Um, And so, what Luther says is, what, in so doing, God gives us promises of life to overcome sin, death, and the devil. And for Luther, I think that's just enough. So, unanswered prayer, Luther just says, don't stop keep asking, keep going. If somebody dies, it's God's problem, right? And the consistency of that is amazing, because Luther will always want it to be God's problem. Even my own faith, or lack thereof, is God's problem. Interesting, right? So, I don't know, does that help, or does that, is that, do they do that coherently? Did I miss a piece? okay. Yeah. And, yep. and God's promise is bigger than that. And all of what you just described is part of that. And it's still frustrating. It's still frustrating. And, and that's why the Psalms are so full. Yeah. And Luther loves the Psalms. Loves the Psalms. They are so full of the whole history of God's people crying out for all the moments, begging. The That's right. Yep. So begging, begging, begging. And I actually, for me, the reason I kind of find this satisfying is because I also find it to be really honest and true. If somebody actually had a coherent theology of theodicy that worked, we'd all buy it. But the truth is, at the end of the day, when even if you have the best medical care or whatever and somebody dies, you just have to say, I don't know, right? I don't know. And I think Luther takes that pretty seriously, right? And then goes back and says, but I have this promise. Um, and Luther then just, he relies on that. I find that to be enormously refreshing, actually, right? Because it seems super honest. And it also is experiential in that, in that regard. And I, strangely, I think Luther operates in that place. Sorry, Don? The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. All right? Yeah. Did I see another hand go up on my periphery here? No. Okay. Wow. We wandered into the theodicy. I thought we might talk about that. Okay. Let's actually read a few of these because they are just lovely. And let's read my favorite one. Um, let's uh, somebody want to pull out um, Luther's. So uh, yeah, let's look at um, the very first petition. Although, let's look at does does the hymnal or does your um, small catechism have um, introduction and then first petition? They all of them do. Spectacular! Somebody read um, the uh, "Our Father in Heaven" part and Luther's confession of that. Go, go ahead. beautiful can you read the you have the can you read the little asterisk down there because i think this is one of the nice little gems that you get in the study edition and i'm not sure if it's in our hymnal oh you're looking at it on your phone it's not on the phone oh it is if you click on it technology at its finest this is one of my favorite parts So, you want me to just read it since I have it right here? Luther added this explanation to the small catechism in 1531 when his oldest child was five years old. I I find that so compelling. Um, I find it so compelling, right? Because Luther is rethinking his understanding of what God the Father is like because he has a five-year-old. Again, I'm, I'm really trying to make the argument that you should read these things because they will warm your heart, which I think is what exactly what Luther's trying to have happen to you. He is trying to impugn you, acting as God's Holy Spirit on you, to be in a relationship with God. In other words, that he's acting like God's Holy Spirit, calling out to you. And, li- and I find that just crazy touching, right? With these words, God wants to attract us so that we come to believe he is truly our father and truly his children, in order that we might ask him boldly with complete confidence, just as loving children ask their father, says the f- father of a five-year-old. I mean that just I, to me that's transformatively melting my heart. Yeah, go ahead. of just the of God Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep yeah that was a big deal. That was a big change. all right um, let's uh do uh let's do the second. Does somebody want to read that whole bit for us because uh, this is also nice because Luther doesn't ask just uh, what is this, but then he asks. He asks the question that Mary asks tonight, how can this be, right? Uh, Which is, uh, we'll sing that in the Magnificat, right? No, we won't, but anyway, that's what she says when God says you'll have a child. Anyway, all right, somebody want to read the second petition for us? Danny, you look like you're ready to read. just nice isn't it what else to say about these things let's read um, let's do one more and then we'll be done I probably rambled on plenty let's um, let's do the fifth one Um, and here I'm making this up but I think this for Luther uh, is what I might argue is his practical day-to-day earthy orientation to theology so can somebody read this one for us This, um, just maybe as a little sermonic in the middle of these things, I actually think this might be the one that we all need the most these days, um, and I would just call it humility, uh, that God gives to us forgiveness knowing that we are all finite and limited and asks us to treat each other in this way. Um, Speaking to one another with kindness and grace and as if the other person was also treated by God as kindness and grace would sure be a helpful thing in our world in all sorts of different ways, uh, politically, economically, uh, and otherwise. Um, let's, uh, we'll close with just Luther's little introduction in the large catechism uh, to prayer. And you'll notice how we're going to highlight where we've been so far. And um, he says this, Coming to the Lord's Prayer, we have heard what we are to believe, what we are to do, Ten Commandments, and to believe, the creed. The best and most blessed life consists of these things. Now followers, the third part, how we are to pray. Mankind is in such a situation that no one can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly even though he has begun to believe. Besides, the devil, along with the world and all our flesh, resists all our efforts with all their power. Consequently, nothing is so necessary as to call upon God incessantly and drum into his ears our prayers, that he may give, preserve, and increase in us faith and obedience to the Ten Commandments, and remove all that stands in our way and hinders us from fulfilling them, that we may know what and how to pray our Lord Christ himself has taught us both the way and the words as we have just seen. Thanks be to God. Amen.